0: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. Remain standing for the reading of the word.
1: Mark chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Once, when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Amen.
0: Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Amen. Remain standing if you will. I want to pray for you before we move forward. Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. I pray, Jesus, that the verses Justin read will somehow, in some way, capture our heart and it'll be meaningful to us. We'll find good ground. And Lord, as I speak and talk, I pray that the words I say will be from you and it'll help and it'll go into our heart. And find good ground. And I just pray that our ears and eyes are open in Jesus' precious name. And you say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here. I want, if you will, to look at Mark chapter 2. Specifically, verse 15. I want to start there. And then jump down to verse 16. Fourth line down. The word disreputable sinners. Anybody ever been one of those people? Most. Let's ask it again. Have you ever been a disreputable sinner? (laughs) Good, all of us. We've all been there. That's our past. That's where we've come from. And it said there's many of these people that follow Jesus. Disreputable sinner. If you look over your past, I'm sure there's things you regret. Decisions you've made that you may be ashamed of. But I want to tell you this, no matter what it is, nothing can keep you from the life of Jesus. Verse number 16, and this is what I want to share with you today. Why does he eat with such scum? It's amazing to me how quickly these broken, hurt, sinful people are just trying to do one thing. They're trying to find hope. They're trying to hear a new message they've never heard before connect with somebody that's offering them some joy and potential life, and yet there's a group of people that label them as scum. And I want to talk to you this morning briefly just about labels. How we use labels, and we place labels on people, and we use labels ourselves for ourselves, and the end result, it robs us from the life of God. It's amazing, in this story... That in this story, there's a group of people sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, learning, gaining from Him. And yet in the same room, there's a group of people who've labeled them so deeply. They've labeled Jesus as a crazy lunatic. He's of the devil. And they've labeled His followers as scum of the earth and disreputable sinners. And yet they themselves are in the same meeting place, same geographical location within touching distance of Jesus, but they cannot find the life of God because of the label. And I want to talk to you about your labels and the labels we use on each other. The strange thing about the world is that labels come in very handy. My wife is a psychological major from college, and one thing I've learned just In my studies and living with her and being in ministry, is that labels help us deal with life. When we can place a label on someone, it helps me be able to put them in a box that fits my label, that helps me either have a relationship or not. And I use it for safety mechanisms. I label somebody because when I label them it helps me categorize them and in categorizing them helps me determine to what level of relationship I will enter in with that person that I've already pre-categorized. Whether I know them or not. We will label people that just walk in the door and I don't even know them but just based on look and based on my past experiences I will place a label upon them. And before I even get to know their name, I've already labeled them mentally. And it's something we're just good at. Like it takes zero training. We even start when we're little, stranger danger. Somebody you don't know, put a label on them called stranger, stranger danger. Put another label called danger. We even teach our children that that's how life works. Labels keep us safe. Labels keep our fears at bay. Labels help our insecurities feel better, especially if I label someone in a category different than me that puts them down, but at the same time, by labeling them, I exalt myself. And so they're just a given that we all do it. Even if we think we don't do it, we do it. We may not do it this way, like publicly label people. I know some of us do. We get on social media and throw them pretty randomly. But labeling people doesn't have to be Public calling people out by name. Like me on the playground when they're picking people and one of my says, I'll take the Pudgy Kid. And I get labeled Pudgy Kid and so I get on the team as a Pudgy Kid. Some people use labels to hurt you and abuse you and control you and manipulate you. But mentally, we all use them if we're not careful. Just get on social media and start scrolling and as soon as you scroll by somebody that you don't like, you've labeled them already. You're like, oh God, oof just because they irritate you, because their personality rubs you the wrong way. And then in the American culture, labels come in pretty handy. Whether, again, publicly thrown or privately used for my own benefit, they come in really handy. Especially when you've been hurt, rejected, abused, manipulated, controlled, molested, raped, done wrong, stabbed in the back, Labels come in handy to put me in a place of feeling safe. They keep me in my box of safety. But if I'm not careful, the very labels that I give others, the very labels that I put on myself, will rob me from really walking in the full life that Jesus has for me. It's just the norm of the way we work. And the weird thing about it is, we've been given a pretty good object lesson in the last several years. You remember when President Obama was elected, the night of his election, when he takes the acceptance speech and he walks out on the stage, and there's thousands and thousands of people cheering. Shouting! It's the first Black African American that's ever been present in the United States. It is history in the making. I was watching it myself, kind of tearing up. Like, man, this is history in the making. It's never been done in our country before, and this man has done it. He kind of came out of nowhere as a senator out of Chicago, and now he's president of the United States, and people are cheering. Best president ever. Best for this guy, man. He's going to go out as the best president ever. Nobel Peace Prize. But at the same time, he's getting labels as the best president we've ever had a history maker on the opposite side of the coin are the labels of oh he's the antichrist anybody remember that all the he's the antichrist oh he's totally anti-jesus anti-god he's gonna ruin america into the ground he's gonna rob us he's a muslim he's anti he supports terrorism and at the same time labels all over the dude we call the president of the united states And it just depended on what label you wanted and what stream you flowed in of whether you had a good label or a bad label for him. But the weird thing about it, think about if you're him and you have to walk around every day with both good and bad labels, people who adore you and people who hate you at the same time. And then if that wasn't bad enough, factor in the last election we had when some tycoon mogul TV fella gets elected out of nowhere when everybody said there's no way this dude will ever get elected. It's impossible. Hillary Clinton will be president. Donald Trump will never, ever, mark my words, never, 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 never be president of the United States. And then Donald Trump gets elected president of the United States. And now he, too, is the best president We've ever had the economy is doing better he is saving second-right amendments he is the pastoral care of all evangelical pastors and we adore him and lay our hands on him and we almost exalt him to the level of being our very personal little Jesus who's running our country and then on the other side of the coin he's Hitler <laughs> he's a misogynist feministic he's Hitler and I'm like, oh, God, make up your mind. <laughs> Obama's the best we've ever had, but he's the Antichrist. Trump is the best we've ever had, but he's at the same time a misogynist Hitler. It's we love labels. Labels. We need them to feel good about ourselves. We need them to put other people down. We need them to fit in my little category of white racism. I need them to fit in my little category of all the things that I need to fit my agenda. And so I have all these little labels that label the people I hate, label the people I kind of like, label the people I'm nervous with, but it helps me function. But in the functioning of my labels, I'm dysfunctional for God. Because I can't get over them. I label you before you come in the door. And now let's come a little closer to home. Let's leave politics aside. Let's bring it to church people. We are brilliant at labeling each other. Brilliant. Before you ever even get a chance to come in the door, we're like, oh God, they look weird. And weird label comes on. I'm just like, uh, You haven't even met them yet. But they just look weird. They got a weird looking beard. Oh, God, they got on a black hat, black coat, they're probably going to shoot somebody, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just what we do. We label people. First off, to make me feel safe. Second, I feel insecure about myself. And if I label you, I feel better about myself. And so when they come and they say, there's nothing but scum, all they're doing is doing what humans do great. We label people to promote an agenda. And now we come to this thing called God and we want to know why isn't there revival? Why don't we really see the life of Jesus move? Why aren't we seeing the miracles we hear about? Well, maybe it's because of all of the labels we give each other that the life of God is put on hold while we label who's worthy, who's not, who will, who won't, and we just are brilliant at it. And yet at the same time, because of those labels, miss the life of God. I had a lady walk into church years ago. I'll just show you how it works. All right. She comes into my office. I need to make an appointment. You've heard it if you've been here a while. It's just funny and same time kind of hurtful and same time kind of tragic and same time shows you we're all human. She walks in the door of my office, sits down, and says, I would like to tell you something. I said, lay it on me. Man, I'm ready. Shoot. I mean, I'm a good dude. Worst thing going for me is I don't like cheese on my pizza. That's about it. And she proceeds in that conversation to say these words. You are the worst pastor I've ever had in my life. Now, when I heard her say that, I am the worst pastor in the world that she's ever had. I'm literally thinking, I bet she's never had Hitler as a pastor. He would have to be worse than me, right? Like I was so shocked. I started running through my brain. I don't cuss. I don't. I don't hurt people. I'm not mad. I'm not a screamer. I'm kind of nice. And yet she's labeled me as the worst pastor she's ever had in her life. So she stuck the label on me, and I did what all good, terrible, worst pastors would do. I said, "Well, I'm so sorry." I did not wake up trying to be the worst. What did I do? How did I hurt you? Where did I go wrong? And she gave me a litany of things where I'd hurt her and and rejected her husband. And and I mean, by the time she was done, I had four or five labels. And so it ended with, would you please forgive me? I'm so sorry. I didn't really try to defend myself. I just apologized. But I'm just going to be honest. You better believe when she left the door of my office, I put my label on her, crazy woman. Though I never publicly called her crazy woman. Mentally, I put, I put it on her crazy woman. That's a woman that chewed me out. And so we may not publicly do that to people. We're too religious to go crazy woman. But because we're human, when the lady walks out the door, it's easy to label her without doing it publicly, but you do it mentally. And you shut down any possibility of relationship or moving forward or letting God work on either way. Because she's labeled me worse, I've labeled her crazy, and yet we're both in the same kingdom of God. And that's how it works. It doesn't appear like it's ungodly when you throw the label because you didn't post it. You didn't put it out there publicly. You just did it mentally. But even the mental labels we ascribe to each other, the mental labels we put on each other, even those labels will hinder us from the life of God. You can do it to me. I can do it to you. We can do it to each other. And as I prayed for us this week, it's like, God, man, there's so much in Mark 2. Like, what do you want? And this, this verse would not just leave me alone. The word scum, scum, scum. And I just thought, labels. And now, can you imagine all the labels in the chapter? The guys tear the dude's roof off. Like you're in your home, and two strangers just rip your roof off and drop another stranger in on the couch. I'm labeling you. First, I'm labeling you as you're going to jail. You're a convict. You're a home wrecker. And then my third label is going to be blooming idiot. You tore the roof of my house off? Label. Dumb idiot. Come through the front door. Paralyzed man on the ground. Label, he's paralyzed. Jesus in the room. Label, he's a lunatic. Everybody else wondering what the roof being off and the paralyzed guy. But y'all are just nothing but scum of the earth with a bunch of religious people with labels called Pharisees, better than you, boom. All in the same room. And yet there's so many different experiences of the life of God all around these things called labels. So I want to talk to you about a few of them today. Here's the first one, hello my name is. It's it's the labels you put on other people. And most of us do it whether we want to or not. Oh, God, here comes crazy woman. i got to go to my office. Oh, she just came in the door. Jesus, get me out of here. Or community when we're hugging. Oh, I don't want to hug. That guy's got bad breath. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, that's that's funny. But even it being comical, it's still the way we label other people because it helps me to label you. Well, you look nice. You look mean. You look rude. You look really ticked off. You look mad. You don't even look like you want to be here. Label, 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 label. And because I've labeled you, I can hinder what God wants to do in you. Because I've labeled you, I don't let God use me to bless you because I've already put you in a box. I've already, the moment I put the label on you, I already categorize you the way I need you to be. You're this, you're this, you're an abuser, you're a hurter, you're. And the weird thing about it is whether we know it or not, we do it just almost by rote habit. We go to another church, we get hurt at that church. And so when we get hurt at that church, we put a big label on it. Got hurt there, that church hurt me. Put a label on the preacher, he is a dictator, don't like him. Put a label on their leadership, they're all rude and into themselves and narcissists and all they care about is money. Boom, labeled that church, good, makes me feel better, I can move on. And then I come into a brand new church. And when I come into a brand new church, because I've been hurt, because I've been rejected, because I've been abused, I start labeling everything. Not because I'm mean, not because I'm rude, because it helps me in some weird way feel in control. So I label the new pastor. He'll probably do me wrong like the other one. Label. I don't even know him, but he's probably going to do it. Label. Oh, they just talked about the offering. See, told you, everybody talks about money. Label. Well, that pastor's going to do me wrong. I can't trust him. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to serve. I'm just going to sit and do nothing. I'm not going to serve. Because why? I labeled serving as a terrible thing because the last church I was in, I was abused. Label, 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 label. And then I come to a house of God, but I can't even let the Lord use my gifts. I can't let the Lord use my talents. Why? Because I have so many labels that are trying to keep me safe. I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get burned out again. I don't want to get taken advantage of again. I don't want to get manipulated again. I don't want to get abused again. I don't want to get hurt again. So I'm going to label everything I can label on everybody else to keep me in my safe little God box. And we wonder why the church is not exploding and moving forward. Because when we're hurt, abandoned, abused, and all the risks that come, we write these little labels and place them on people. And it just becomes the most crazy. I do it. I mean, we've all done it. On girlfriends, past experiences, ex husbands, ex wives, ex preachers, ex husbands, ex friends, ex bosses. Label, 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 label. The next one is this it goes a little deeper. It's the label that I place upon myself. Things people have said to me that have hurt me, abused me. I label myself unworthy. I label myself as never measuring up. I label myself fat. I label myself a jerk. I label whatever it is. I've heard it so long it's now my label. My husband said something to me, it becomes the label. I said something to Robin years ago, and I heard her in an argument. She labels herself that. Well, I guess I am. She says something hurtful to me, I label myself. Your last lover, your last boyfriend, your last girlfriend, your friendship structure labels yourself. You are the, and then they put a label on you, and now you self-identify with their label, so you put the label. And now what's weird is, even though you're a Christian, your true identity, your true salvation is in your label. It's not in the Savior, it's in your label. Your true life is in your identity to this, not who He says you are. You've been labeled by this. It dictates you, it rules you, it controls you. But in the same weird way, you feel like you're in control. But you're not in control because you're you're subject to the power of the label. I'll never measure up. Now watch, let's show you how it works. You're the worst pastor I've ever had. She labels me. I label her crazy woman. And then I go with this label. You're the worst pastor I've ever had. And I show up the next Sunday and I preach. And it doesn't go well. I mean, you have good ones. You have bad ones. And then all of a sudden in my ear I hear, You are the worst pastor. I'm surprised anybody would come to your church. You see, now the label placed on me from another human being has now become the fodder for the devil to get a hold of me. And so now when I have a bad Sunday, a bad week, that reverberates in my mind, you're the worst, you're the worst, you're the worst. And the devil just sitting on your shoulder, you're the worst, you might as well quit. Nobody cares anyway. You're not even that good anyway. You're never going to measure up. Just look across town. That guy's only been here a year. They have 2,000 people. You've been here five. You've got 200. See, you're not a good pastor. And so then I go, yeah, God, I'm just not a good pastor. So I write my own label. Nice dude. Not a good pastor. And then I go to Robin and I say, You know, honey, I just don't think I'm a good pastor. She goes, What are you talking about? I think you do a great job. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I mean, I just, do you see how it works? The label from another person that can be so hurtful, now becomes my own label for myself, and I start believing the label. Now the label begins to dictate me. The label controls my emotion. The label controls my amount of energy I'm going to give to it. My label, my, my label controls whether or not I even enjoy it anymore. If I enjoy life anymore. I was told I was fat when I was a kid and now the label is worn by me the whole time even though today I'm thinner than I've ever been but when I look in the mirror I still feel fatter than I've ever been because I've labeled myself. I've been divorced once, twice, three times, so my label is I'm a failure. Not that God can redeem me and restore me and heal me from the hurt, but I've labeled myself as a failure. And now I identify because my ex husband or wife chewed me out and did this. I got these labels. I've labeled myself. I've been abused. I've been molested. I've been hurt. I've been beaten. I've been rejected. Label, 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 label. And we need them. We keep them on because the labels keep me safe. The labels keep me in my safe space, my box. I label other people that could hurt me and abuse me. And then the whole time I'm labeled up, I have so many labels on me now that I just miss what the real life of God is. And I don't know if you struggle with it, but I mean, it is a real deal. And the weird thing, you think it would stop with one label. Dummy. It doesn't stop with one. Once you let one stick to you, the enemy will continually run it until you say enough is enough. Anybody remember back? This has got to go way back, early 80s maybe. So you're going to have to be alive in the 80s when, when Ellen DeGeneres came out of the quote closet back then, and on public television she said, "I'm a lesbian." Anybody remember that moment? We're like, "Oh God, a lesbian, a public one at that." Oh Jesus, what's the world coming to? A public lesbian? And we all were freaking out. And so, but then, but she kind of opened the door to mainstream, come out of the closet, lesbianism. You either loved her or hate her. If you loved her, you could put it on. She is the hero of the lesbian movement. If you hated her, you put it on, she's going to hell, she's antichrist. And you just labeled her wherever you were religiously, you put the label on her. And then came LG, lesbian gay. But when that didn't fit, we had to get another label because that doesn't fit everybody. So then we did LGBT, we did trans. And then that didn't fit in everybody, now it's LGBTQ, queer. So you figure four labels for people struggling with identities could be plenty. And so I decided to have fun this week. I thought, I'm just going to Google labels. So I Googled sexual gender identity labels. My God, we would be here until 5 p.m. I'm like, how many? I, I only thought there were like two, male, female, dude, gal, chick, bro. I thought that was uh. I literally, I, I'm not trying to play dumb or stupid or funny. I'm not even trying to bemoan it. I know people struggle with it. I was shocked page after page of gender pronouns. Sis, sis, z, z, zis, z, zoo, z, e's, z, 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 eyes. I'm like, God, this is a crazy, messed up label generation. So then I thought, well, I'll do something easier. I'm going to Google, which is terrible. I'm going to Google all the labels for psychological disorders. <laughs> oh my, we're going to be here 2 weeks. I didn't even know there were that many disorders. Well, there's books on disorders, labels for labels for this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem, this problem, this problem. I'm like, we just, we're, we just crave labels, sexual identity labels, mental health labels, physical labels, emotional labels. It's almost like we've just become accustomed that the label is my God and that God is now my identity and it dictates the rest of my life. I even Googled LGBTQ. I looked it up and thought, I'd like to see how much further, like how many more labels can they put? And I just Googled LGBTQ, here's what popped up. Here's where we are today from 1980. So 20-something, 30 years later. Here it is now. LGBTQQIAAPPK. Here's what it means. Lesbian, gay, genderqueer, bisexual, transgendered, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, allies, pansexual, polyomerous, and kink. It's like, that's like 20 letters of the alphabet. <laughs> but I guarantee you, give us five more years, we'll add some more consonants and vowels up there. The reason is, is because we starve to be labeled. Because labels are my identity. If I can get an LGBTQ label, I feel better because now I'm part of a group. If I can get this label, that label, this label, it makes me feel worthy and wanted. It makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel safe to label you a right-wing extremist and me a left-wing fanatic. It helps me keep you at bay and never have a discussion because we don't like each other. So we label Democrat, Republican, right-wing extremist, left-wing, middle-of-the-road, libertarian. Why? Because it helps us stay stupid. It helps us keep each other in boxes so we can never make progress. And we end up serving ourselves, and the label becomes the God and the label becomes my destiny and the label becomes my identity. It goes deeper because the third hello my name is, is we label God. We come to church and we sing you're a good, good father, good label, good father, three labels, good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are. We sing all the things about him. He's the great I am. Boom. He's way maker. Boom. Miracle worker. Boom. Promise keeper. Boom. Oh, look at all those labels I put on him. He's a good, good father. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Oh, label, 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 label. It's great on Sunday. We come in and we give give God a label. He's faithful. He's this. He's that. But then all of a sudden, let all hell break loose. You've abandoned me. You've rejected me. You didn't heal me. Label, 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 label. We start labeling God because He didn't come through for us. He didn't heal us. He didn't do what I wanted Him to do. He didn't answer my prayer. He let me get hurt. He let my husband leave me. I got rejected. I got abandoned. Where was He? He's really not as good as we say. Well, he is not faithful. And we all label God. We call it religion. To some Christians, God is an angry, mean dude that will break your back and kill you to other people. know He loves you no matter what. We all label him and we put labels on him to help us identify him so he can be who I need him to be. Labels for others, labels for self, labels for God, and the end result of all of it is it hinders us from the life of God. It hinders me, it hinders you, it keeps us from being vulnerable. Let's just talk church for a minute. It keeps us from being extravagant in our giving because I've already labeled people as charlatans. It keeps me from being extravagant in my serving because I've already labeled it. They're going to burn me out and use me and abuse me. It keeps me from really getting into community and serving because I've already labeled it. Uh, It's too much. It's too much requirement. It keeps me from really being who God needs me to be because it's just easier to label who y'all aren't than who I need to be. And we just label each other. And as I was praying over that this week, especially for myself, because I'm running through myself going, God, man, how many labels do I still have on me? 2010, when I fell apart, my life fell apart. I'm at the darkest of the darkest time of my life, like just having suicide thoughts, failed my marriage, failed me, failed my children, failed my church, just... From October to December, just the darkest time of 2010. But to help people deal with my failure and even me, we can just put labels. He's an adulterer. He's a narcissist. He's gay. He's lesbian. hes I mean, just label after label. He's sleeping with this woman. He ran off with this girl. He, and I, I'm literally up here. I'm like, I don't even well, how, what's going on. But see, when we get hurt by people or, or I hurt people... We get the labels out because it just helps us kind of classify the hurts. And and so then when God wants to heal Mark, I have so many labels on me. I'm a failure. I'm never going to do it again. Much less everybody else's stickers, but my own. My own. I beat myself up. I, I labeled myself. And now God says, Mark, I want to use you again. You have gifts. You have things I want to, I want to get. I want to help you bring people, healing to people. And I'm like, oh, no, nah, God, what if? I mean, I've blown it. I'm just such a, oh, label, 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 label. And I want to end this morning. With a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter twelve, chapter 5, if you would turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 13. As we prepare to come together to take communion. Because when we come together to do the giving, because we bring our giving to show our appreciation to God as our resource. But we also come to do communion. And in just a few moments, we're going to open these tables up and you get to come and ask the hard question. Are the labels in your life robbing you from God? Let's read it together. Verse 13. If it seems we are crazy, label. they had been labeled as crazy people. The Christians of Paul's day. The church he's writing to, he himself had been labeled as a false apostle. He himself had been labeled as crazy. The apostle Paul, the dude that wrote one-third of the New Testament, was labeled as a crazy man. So he says this, if it seems we're crazy, that's my label. Well, it's just to bring glory to God. In other words, all the labels that are on my life, all the labels people have said about me, all my self-inflicted labels of myself, the real reason they're there is not to keep me safe. The real reason they're there is not because I'm an insecure person. The real reason they're there is all of those labels are going to bring glory to God. And if we are in our own right minds, it's for your benefit. Verse 14, this gets better and better each verse. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Now I start seeing something about labels. No matter how many labels I've put on myself or put on you or you've put on me. The controlling factor of my life is not my label. My label is not my identity. My identity is to be controlled by the love of Jesus Christ. Not by my label. My label is not my God, my label is not my dictator, and my label is not my Savior. Now I'm learning that every label of my life is going to have to bump into the love of Jesus Christ. You're a failure, you're an addict, you're a this, you're a that. You're a charlatan, you're a whore, you're a prostitute, you're a pervert, you're a molester, you're a cheater, you're a liar, you're an adulterer, you're a fat person, you're sorry, you're a no good. Every one of those have to come under the love of Jesus Christ. And since I believe that Christ died for all, we also believe, watch, we also believe that we have to die to our, which are all the labels. Jesus Christ, to have his life, expects you to die to all of those. Oh my God, Mark, if I die to all my labels, I'm going to be exposed, vulnerable. I could be hurt again, abused again, abandoned again. It's easier for me to keep my labels and make my husband pay for them. It's easier for me to keep my label and make my wife pay for it. It's easier for me to keep my label and make my preacher pay for it, make my church pay for it, make my boss pay for it, make my children pay for it. It's easier for me to use my label to my own advantage to get what I need out of life. Please don't take my label away from me. But the love of Jesus comes in and says, Shiloh, man, I want to take the label that controls you and I want to bump you into my love. Why? Because everybody in the room, I want you to die to the label that you've been placed. What label's on you right now? What's been said about you? What has hurt you? What has abandoned you? What has caused you such pain? And he says, look, we have to believe that we can die to the old life. Are you going to be the label? Or are you going to be what he says? Next verse gets deeper. Fifteen, he died for everyone. Come on, give me a shout or something. He died for everyone. Every label, every label, every L G B T Q Q Q I I A A P P X, every label, every molestation, everything we could as a human label somebody with, he died for every label. That is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the divorce, for the hurt, for the abandoned, for the rejected, for the failed. He died so that everybody can receive new life and no longer live for their label. Let me just read it in my version. He died for all the labels so that those who receive his new label would no longer live for their label. Instead, they will live for Christ. I don't live for me anymore. I may have been the worst pastor in her mind, but God chose me anyway. I may have been told by Robin or I may have told her something, but because of the love of Christ, we're going to grow together and get over it together. We're not going to divorce each other and blame our past anymore. Or you said, I said, you said, you said, I said, and we fight for hours. I have to, as a believer, come to the place that says instead, instead, instead. In other words, it's a choice you make. It's just a choice. Instead, I think I'm going to live for Christ who died and was raised for me. Verse 16. So when we've stopped evaluating others' labels from a human point of view, that's your label. Come on now. He even tells us we do this. We have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. If you stay merely human, we're going to label everybody in the room. We have to get out of the human point of thinking. Because everybody in the room, for a human point of view, needs a label. All of us, me included. He says, stop it. And at one time, we even thought of Christ from a human. In other words, we labeled Jesus How many of us in our religiosity have labeled God? Like the God of the universe that says, I am that I am. And we put a label on him to try to understand him better. And he's like, really, you're going to label me to understand me? No, it didn't work that way. But from our human point of view, this is why labels are so important. Because a label used on me, for me, or against you to help me, that label shows that in my Christianity, I'm still living in a human point of view. Now watch what he says. I love this. How differently we know him now. In other words, there's life beyond the label. There's life beyond the hurt. There's life beyond what somebody said to you. There's life beyond the pain they've caused you. And here it is, verse 17. Woo, get ready. You're going to be Pentecostal before you know it. This means that anyone. Come on now. Anybody. Any label. Anything they put on you, any consonant, any vowel, anything, any person that's ever hurt you, abandoned you, rejected you, molested you, raped you, left you, stabbed you in the back, talked about you, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Come on. That's the best I got as a white dude, man. I want to dance. I cannot dance at all. I tried at first service. It's miserable. <laughs> this means that anybody, anybody in this room, the worst preacher there's ever been, you, you've been divorced a hundred times. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that the love of Jesus Christ saw your label. He said, I want you anyway. Yeah. He saw your label and says, that's not how I identify you. He saw your label and says, that's not what I call you. He saw your label and says, I know you've been hurt, but let me peel that off. And if you'll let me peel it off, once you belong to me, you're a new person. A brand, spanking, totally new person. I had somebody ask me one time, He said, Mark, I always like debates. It makes me think and have to go eat Mexican food. They said, do you believe that a person can be born gay? I said, what does it matter? We're all born in sin. What does it matter if I'm born straight or gay? The end result is born straight or born gay. I need to be reborn and born again. And when I'm born again, I'm a new person. So if I'm born gay, I'm gay. But when I get born again, I'm a new person, I'm not gay. And when I'm born, when I'm born and I'm straight, I'm still messed up in a sinner. But when I'm born again, I'm, 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 I'm new again. Either both of us are brand spanking new. That's the beauty of his life. Now, what we try to do is label people who can God save. How are they born? What if they're born that way? What? I said, don't even talk about how they're born that way. That's the natural birth. How about the spiritual birth? Once the spiritual birth comes, there is no label. You're a new person. And yet, we don't want to be a new person. I want to be the old person with all my labels and not go to hell. I want to keep my labels because they make me feel happy and safe. They don't require anything of me. They demand no responsibility. And when somebody puts responsibility on me, I go to my label to say, no, I still can't do anything because my label dictates my level of accountability and responsibility. And then therefore I shall shut my life down because my label rules Oh, but by the way, I love Jesus. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. I'm just saying it's robbing us from the life of God. Because that's not how he wants me to live with all my labels claiming to know him. He says, Mark, come on. We need to have a chit-chat. Come to me. I'm going to rip all these labels off. They're going to sting. But I'm going to make you a brand new person. Are we good? Me and you good, Mark? Yeah, we're good. Okay, good. Now, once I turn you loose, other people are going to try to continue to label you. Because you're still living in a fallen world. P.S. You're going to, at times, try to relabel yourself. Are we clear, Mark? Mark? We're clear, Lord. So, Mark, before you go away, I need to do something for you. Oh, Jesus, yes. What do you need to do? Mark, are we clear? I've ripped off every label. Yes, we're clear. Some people are going to try to put them back on you. Are we clear? Oh, Jesus, we're clear. You're probably even going to try to put yourself on some labels yourself that are going to rob you of what I want to do. Are we clear? Yes, Jesus, we're clear. Now, before you go, Mark, I've got one thing I need to do for you. It's going to really help you. And i say, Yes, Lord. He says, hey, hey, and he calls an angel over. He said, hey, bring me a sticker. And they bring me a hello, my name sticker is, and they put it on me, and here's what it says. Hello, my name is, I'm a new creation. And now I get the sticker from Jesus, and he says, "Uh, you can go now. So that every time somebody labels me, I've got something put on me by the creator of the universe. So when a human labels me, it pales in comparison to what the creator of the universe calls me. You call me this, but the creator of the universe says I'm a new creation. His his label far trumps any human label. You have to believe this as a Christian. Hello, my name is a new creation. And when the devil labels you, no, you're not. You're this, you're this, you're this. You have to come back to this experience with Jesus Christ. His love has made me a brand new creation in Christ. And I can walk under that identity and that label and that name. And it's going to give me hope for a better marriage, a better future, a better life, a more successful life. Because I'm now labeled by Jesus. Therefore, because he labeled me as a new creation, I can now get involved and serve. I can have a great marriage. I don't have to worry about all these struggles that I have anymore. Because I'm going to trust him. It's going to affect my marriage when I have this label. It's going to affect how I serve in church when I have this label. It's going to affect what level of relationship I go with other humans when I have that label. But if I rip that label off and forget that I'm a new creation and I just try to love Jesus with all my old labels that make me feel so good about myself, I'm never going to truly experience the life of God. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Here's a question I want to ask you. Has your label robbed you of God's life? Has it hurt your marriage? Has it hurt your heart? Has it? Are you labeling other people? that It's just hard to have a relationship with people because I, I have to label them to keep me safe because I get nervous if I don't label them. How many labels are on yourself? You do it to yourself. You put yourself down. You talk negative about yourself all the time. So I leave you now to the Holy Spirit. Let Him talk to you. Are you wearing the labels of others, voices that have spoken over you and you've self-identified with them? Have you put labels on your own self and they're your identity, they're your Savior? Your labels have become your Savior. Or will you be willing today like Paul to say, hey, people may think I'm crazy and label me, but that's okay. Because of the love of Jesus Christ, old things have to pass away and all things become new. And I'm a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. That is my new label. Now, when you come to the communion table, it's your opportunity just to say, Jesus, what label needs to come off of me? What have I worn for the last several years? What has identified me? What have I gotten used to? What do I speak over myself? What am I making my husband pay for because it's somebody else's label on my life? What am I making my wife pay for because of somebody else's label? You've even spoken negative things to your children. You've labeled them. You've spoken things over your business. You've labeled your business. And would you dare today just say, Holy Spirit, forgive me of doing what humans do. And would you forgive me and cleanse me and remove every label I've ever put on another human and as well as the labels i put on myself. And before I walk out the door today, would you label me a new creation? And would you truly make me new? And would you truly let me experience your love? Stand up with me if you will. I want to get you ready to come to the table. Here's the way we end service, uh, our gathering together, so to speak. We end it with communion. We ask you to come. It's now... Our part is over, and it's now up to the Holy Spirit. Once you start coming, you can be dismissed, slip out on your own, but Michael and the team will be just leading us in some worship. I encourage you to stay around at least until you've resolved in your heart what needs resolving. The Holy Spirit knows you better than anybody. Your heart may be beating now. There may be a moment, a time, a person, a voice, a label that's on you. And when you come to these tables and take the bread and the juice and you dip it in, I just want you to say, Jesus, I die to these labels. And I ask you to put a new label on me. I believe in you. And then if you want to kneel, if you want prayer, our prayer team's to my left. Uh, Robin and I are up here up the front to pray for you. If you want to go back to your seat and sit, pray together as a husband and wife, or just have a moment of silence with God and just before you actually get busy with your week again. I want to lead you in the prayer. At the end of the prayer, you can come and partake of giving, your tithes and your offerings and communion, and you may be dismissed. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today, every label... That I've ever assigned to another person, forgive me. The labels that I've placed upon myself that are robbing me of your life, forgive me. This day, I choose to die to my identities of my past and my experiences, my hurts, my failures, and I choose today. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. And if I believe in Him, I have a new identity. I'm a new creation. So Lord Jesus, I confess with my mouth, I believe in You. Make me brand new today. And come Holy Spirit, in this moment of communion, and change my heart for You. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening,
1: and we will see you next week for a brand new message.